Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm talking to Jamie. And he emailed me just a couple days ago. In June of 2022, he hit 32,000 in revenue. And most of that is from one site that he started about three years ago. So we're gonna dig into all the details. He has a, a few websites in the mix, and he's taking a bit of a unorthodox approach, at least from what we're used to in the last year or two. And we'll get into those details, but I like the, you know, everyone zigging this way. It sounds like Jamie zagging, but it's really just kind of going back to an approach that a lot of people were doing a couple years ago. So Jamie, how's it going today? I'm doing well. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to talk to you and be here today. And um, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Awesome. So let's let's get into the details and the punchline right away so people can hear your results and then we'll back into it. So I gave a little bit of a teaser, but can you give us sort of a broad overview of your uh, portfolio, like how many sites are in there, what's the breakdown of revenue, uh, traffic numbers, some of the other metrics that people care about. And then, like I said, we'll back into the details. If you forget any of the details right off the top of your head, that's okay. We'll talk about it more in a minute. Sure. So yeah, it's um, around just a little bit over $32,000 a year, but the lion's share comes from one main site that will do around $25,000 of that. Second one that's only about 18 months old does like 6,000 ish. I don't know of a site that with as few posts as it has done as much in 10 months, it hit 6,000 in like 10 months since I started it with only like 40 posts and, and I only wrote like half of them. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that one. We had a third one that I paid a lot of money for thinking it was like, you know, a great buy and um, it's just been hitting the, the May update, but I have a full-time person um, working on that now. So hopefully it's going to go. I, he's, he, I trust him. He's, he's a talented writer. So hopefully that's a, a full-time project that goes. And then from then on, there's not really much revenue worth sort of speaking about. There's like maybe a dozen sites total, but the majority of them are in that sort of like embryo stage and uh you know might make a hundred dollars two hundred dollars but they haven't uh hit that critical mass where they start you know doing loads and loads and loads of uh daily viewers got it and just to be clear you slightly misspoke and you said thirty two thousand per year but you mean thirty two thousand per month right per month per, per month, month okay. indeed okay so huge difference a 12x difference <laughs> there so congratulations. That's really very amazing. And one, I think one thing that you mentioned in the email is that you're you're fairly young. How, how old are you? So I know on the camera, I probably look about 15 now, but I'm 25, I promise. We're in this uh, office now and everyone's in, in suits and that. And I walk around in like a t-shirt and I think people think, oh, who's he working for today? But um, right. um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm only 25. I think that um, I just have more time than most people uh just from being able to like just do this stuff full time and getting into seo as a younger person like okay i guess it's an advantage but yeah and when did you get into seo and affiliate marketing and all that stuff sure so on my uh, in the uk i don't know how this is if it's the same elsewhere but you can do like an internship year where like you do a four-year course instead of three years and then on the third year you go and you do like a year in industry it's meant to like help you get a job and so uh i kind of left it until the last moment and then at the last minute i was like I'll, I'll apply for everything i saw this job in paris that was like 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 i think it was illegal in that like they underpaid it was like three euros an hour but i did it anyway so they did publishing and stuff and uh they didn't get that much traffic. And so I noticed that 
one post had way more page views than the homepage. And I was like, how did this happen? And they were like, I don't know. So I just decided to, you know, leave it to the gods that a page was doing well. And so I wanted to find out how this was. And like, you know, this is an opportunity. I eventually discovered what SEO was, bought like four books on it, sort of consumed those, got obsessed. And uh, after uni, I was like, well, I should probably try this out. And here we are. And so how, how many years ago with that, like seven, eight years ago? No, I, so I went to Paris when I was 21. I'm 25 now. Okay, so just four years ago. And before that, you didn't know any SEO or anything like that? No, not at all. What did you study in university? Uh, I did economics. So all the fun financial, monetary policy, ma- monetary macroeconomics and all that fun stuff that I'm never ever going to use ever again. <laughs> Is there anything at all that you would use from your degree? Any sort of broad ideas of supply and demand or anything? Maybe it helps with business. I don't know. I feel like you learn a lot more in the real world, though. I'd like to say that it was really important, but I can't really justify it. Yeah. So uh, to your point, um, as far as like internships and that sort of thing, some colleges do have um, internships or co-op programs. And I I did a co-op program where actually as soon as I started um, school, I think maybe like the third term, like right when I finished my first year, I started working at a company and it's called a co-op. So each every other term I actually went back to the same place. So I would like learn more and more in depth at that one place. And then I would go to school for a little while. It also helps you pay for school because you earn a reasonable salary, not the whatever below minimum wage that you got. I actually earned a a reasonable amount for someone who was semi-qualified. And then you, you learn and learn. And if you, you know, do a good job, maybe you get hired at the company, the place I worked at, Nortel Networks, actually got hit by the dot-com bubble in like wow. 2001 or whatever. So they like didn't hire us back and everybody like had to find new jobs later on like the last couple of years. So there is a possibility to do it. And I recommend you know people go get real-world experience like you're saying. You can sit in classes and all that stuff, but a lot of times you're better off like learning on the job, whatever it is you might be doing. Yeah, so, definitely. Okay, so you got obsessed and you started uh, messing around with SEO. So when did you start your first site? Like, it sounds like you were working at this this publishing house. You started learning on your own. When did you start your first site? Yeah, so basically, um, like I had the domain before I graduated and then I sort of actually started trying when I graduated. So I graduated basically like three years ago to the day uh, and then started taking that more seriously. But I also, so so uh, the, the name I've gone by, I don't really want, I don't I feel like if you didn't grow up with me, you can't call me by my government name. My real surname isn't IF, I've just been going by that. When I, when I left uni, I wanted to do uh, like a social enterprise. It's like a sort of non-profit company, but that functions a bit like a company. Um, so it was meant to help with um, like the homelessness increasing problem in, in London. But these things cost money and I ran out of money. So when I saw this was an opportunity to make money, it was like, okay, well, if I can make millions and millions doing this over the next few years, we can channel that back in. So I am unapologetically transactional with the affiliate marketing. I'll go to any partner and be like, I want more money because it's for a good cause. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. 
One thing um, you didn't mention is how much traffic um, you get on the sites. And maybe for simplicity, we could just focus on on the biggest sites since it's about you know two thirds of the revenue, and just n- not worry about the other stuff. So we can have a, just a straight up discussion. Sure. So we don't do that many page views for, for the revenue. It's about 200,000, maybe even like 190,000. Um, I've got the stats somewhere for like the revenue per article per month or revenue per page view. It's usually hovers around like 12, 13 cents, I think. Um, so we try and like just convert like well per page view, but we've never got lots of traffic because we don't have that many articles. Okay. So how many articles do you have? I think like just under 400 on the main site. Okay. So 400, about how many words per article roughly i'm sure there's a couple different kinds of articles too yeah so they could some of them could be four or five thousand words but the general trend has been to like get shorter and shorter as word count becomes less of just like uh people just cramming more and more in and it becomes more of a condensed quality thing which i'm happy for um because these like weren't about the user they were just less right about everything and uh along with the sort of like skyscrapery thing that everyone loves um but i don't really follow that but they do end up being long just because you want to optimize for everything in there so uh, probably average 2000 2500 words the odd one we do that's shorter uh, and so for really important ones they can end up being like 3.5 to 4 but we're they're only becoming that now because they're coming down from six seven thousand words okay very good and then do you have a breakdown of, or what is your breakdown of informational versus affiliate type content? Sure. So I, and there may be a clear correlation because everyone uh, says, you know, you need to have X percent informational or you'll get hit by an update. I've not seen any evidence of that because we are very heavily skewed to commercial stuff and we've not been hit by any of these updates as of yet. Because I do think that we answer what people want and the search intent and the buyer intent and the psychology behind what you want and differentiating and segmenting people based on the thing you need and helping you make a decision. That I think that if you do try and add the value, I don't think there's a reason for you to be penalized. And so it could easily go into the 75, 80% commercial stuff with us, um, perhaps even more on some smaller sites. And do you even pay attention to it that much or you just look for good keywords and then just move forward? Yeah, it's, if a keyword looks viable, um, based on, you know, uh, we, we have much less traffic requirements for an affiliate piece and, uh, you know, a bit more for uh, an informational. But honestly, like I'm not, I'm fine, like loss leading. If I think that something's just going to be a good build up of content, I'll write it anyway. Uh, I don't mind just like, I don't think that you can look at a return on investment for an individual article and go, all right, that's worth writing. Well, that's not right. So you have to look at it as more like a, like a hundred content piece. And that one could help you get that other future article in a year, two years time to in a position where it can make a lot of money. So I'll, I'll write most things if they feel like they're like they contribute. Got it. And as far as your keyword research, it sounds like because it is mostly affiliate review focus that you are looking generally at buyers keywords. But can you talk about the keyword research approach overall? Sure. So it depends on um, the type. Um, like we'll just go through Ahrefs or clean through the stuff and um, find out, you know, if there are certain, we'll go through brands, go through the standard best, see if we can go for the brands and find verses and alternatives, keywords and things like that. Um, we've got fairly detailed formulae for, you know, how to write different things, because usually if you have an alternatives post, uh, the main reason people are writing 
product alternatives is because of the price. It's like, I want this, but I don't want to pay for it. So you can frame your protagonist product as the cheaper version, and then you can sort of cast your antagonist around that for a premium pick. No one really goes for it, but at least you can play it off the original one. Um, you can have, uh, and you, this actually requires understanding the niche, the different uses within that, like sub segments of people within that. And just frame each person, try and peel them off each layer until they find the thing that's best for them. Uh, and don't just like... We, I'm going off topic here, but like it's just like off the keyword stuff. But um, each type of keyword is it's not just that you find a keyword and go, we're going with that. There has to be a sort of story and project within that keyword to make it viable because you see some things are like 6,000 traffic, but what can I do with that 6,000 traffic? What can I credibly add value with that kind of traffic? And so um, the keyword research, most people can do it. Um, and it's like, I wouldn't say it's one of the most complex things, but like it, there are more factors to look at once you find a keyword to determine how you should write it, like, or if you should even, or if it's, you could write it and you could make money from it, but should you, because is it, does it fit with the, with the brand that you're trying to build? Got it. And I think this is a good time to talk about the breakdown of revenue as well. So yeah, what's the breakdown of revenue? People are probably thinking, oh, is it mostly Amazon or what? So what are we looking at here? Sure. So I think last month it was like 7,000 from Amazon. It's already like 7,000 this month because they've upped their rates. Every time they do that, it's like, all right, I'll take the extra four or five grand or whatever. Um, so yeah, about 20% from Amazon. Um, another's like 7.5 from ads, I'd say. And the rest comes from just external partners, like other, uh, like custom off Amazon uh, deals that we do within each niche. Okay. And let's get into that because I, I think, you know, 60% of the revenue is from other affiliates that are not Amazon. And Amazon's, uh, I think ev almost everyone will agree that Amazon's one of the easiest to get started. They push a huge amount of volume. Their conversion rates are really high, but their commission rates are pretty low because of that trade-off with the conversions and the trust and the low friction to make the purchase. So how did you find these other partners to work with? Um, when... I see a lot of competitors that are in each niche and they just go Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. And some of the best use of your time is just scouting out the opportunities to do that. Because if you can double your money per click based on half an hour's research and try a few things out, it's a no brainer. We don't just show the other um, store once we found the ones we do. You'll just list multiple and that's you know, on the current product review guidelines is to have multiple buying options as well. Um, so even though Amazon doesn't pay well, we'll always frame it in with the others just below the other options. Uh, but it's really not difficult to, to find them, really. If you just search most of the products or buy products online, you'll find the places that deal with them. Uh, and then um, most of the money now comes from the fact that like we'll just come back to them once we can show that we've done a return and just be like, we need more money. <laughs> Okay. Well, and can, let's break it down into like the nuts and bolts. So do you literally just shoot them an email? Do you have an affiliate um, partner, manager, account manager that you can talk to that helps you out? Um, how, how does someone do this once they think they have some leverage because they're pushing products? Sure. Yeah. So I'm not the best at this. I've only recently, like it's a, you know, it's, the imposter syndrome is strong, right? And you think this is a big entity. How am I going to uh, you know, even be 
taken seriously but over time it becomes easier i'm not there's not like one trick and i don't have the answers to tell everyone but generally um if you're performing well and performing well is relative you might be well to you but like it's minuscule but don't compare yourself to the enormous publishers that can deliver more if you in your opinion are delivering like credible revenue then you have leverage um you know if you can sell five grand's worth of stuff at five percent and you're giving to them privately when in, I think if they sold on Amazon, they'd get charged 15% by Amazon. You can go, right, well, if you give me 10%, you're still up and I'll promote you extra or anything like that. Um, we're lucky to have worked with people that have dedicated marketing managers that we've had a relationship with and we've been able to, you know, build up. And I do recommend that you do, you know, always say that we're really grateful to work with you. We're grateful for our collaboration and try and just keep every interaction positive. There is like a, you know, that person who is the, the your connection in the company does have sway and can go, don't worry, I'll get this greenlit for you if they want to. And so uh, there is a bit of sort of social stuff. Be willing to jump on a Zoom call if you need to. But if you just want to send an email, then just send a good email. Um, people are more receptive than you think. I think people are more worried about losing business that you drive them than you think as well, especially if you can drive them enough. Have you had any instances where you asked for better terms and they rejected you yeah yesterday and i asked them for two grand to change the stuff <laughs> as well as the higher stuff but they said no i was like ah oh. okay um it happens all the time um at the moment that we've got one partner that's trying to change the rates down from eight percent to five percent and they're uh, a big customer of ours so we'll probably lose like eight hundred dollars a month from that but you have to go but look at the stats. This is all we can do for you. And, and then sometimes, you know, there'll be a change of personnel and you can't do anything about it because they don't understand your value. And for those instances, do you have leverage to go to one of their competitors and say, hey, we want to work with you. We, we've had a change. Like, how, how do you treat that? In this particular case, no, because these is some of like the best converting and just best quality uh, stuff. Um, around and we'd really rather keep and we will still keep promoting them so we don't have that much leverage but they don't know that in all fairness so that uh, sure. it's it's uh, it's not a zero-sum game in that way um i also don't want to promote things that aren't the best like we have one program that is only three percent but that is the best products and so we'll give that preferential treatment just because if people make make the decision that's best for them then that's our value added even if it means less money um, it's not just uh, we'll like flog anything if you give me the money. It's um, we flog the best things, and then if we can get the most money, then great. You only have you said something like four hundred articles on that one site. Are you following along that same kind of content plan with the rest of the sites too? I'm trying to put out more. It's uh, I, if we can put out more and retain the quality, then great. I'm just a bit of a perfectionist with that. We're trying to onboard around five writers at the moment, so hopefully that will like double our output. Almost. Um, um, the same model, I guess it depends. We've always gone for sort of the same style without giving too much away. Um, like they're not shoulder niches, but they have a non-zero amount of. Uh, there's like a bit of a Venn diagram. Okay. Um, and so um, they function in a similar way and they, um, the keywords sort of fall the same ratio, the same sort of style. And so we can template it fairly easily. Okay. And that makes sense. Like maybe it's the same kind of audience. So, you know, for me, I'm into YouTube and podcasting and like creating content. So 
a lot of people that do one, sometimes they do the others. Is that kind of the, that kind of idea? Yeah, it's uh, the same area, uh, like the same style of formatting things, same style of putting things out in front of people, same article keyword styles, you know, best, whatever, something versus something. And so uh, the same amount of articles, the same, not many ones that you can put out, but just put the most effort into It's the same. The, the, the niches all fall into that same less content, higher quality content style. Okay. And from the content standpoint, so higher quality, you're not publishing quite as much. So what do you think or what mistakes do you think people are making on their sites that they don't know that they're making content wise? I don't think there's mistakes. I just think it takes a long, long time to like add on that one thing, that one trick that lets you do the next level and the next level and the next level. And so like, I've never been a big fan of just like doing courses or something. You just have to write content like, and, write 500,000 words and you'll and obviously you know read around and study up as well uh, I've myself taken a bunch of courses in SEO but you have to complement that with just grinding it out because as you grind it out you'll pick up the tips and tricks that allow like you can't just come in and then write something that ends up being the highest quality thing you have to really understand the elements that build up to each element of the high quality content uh, a long buyer's guide is, could be 4,000 words, which contains not just the seven or eight products, not just the buying guide, not just the FAQs, not just the intro, not, but the, uh, you know, the custom blocks within there for the top picks that are designed for CTAs and things like that. And you can't just add that on instantly. It's, uh, it's an iterative, gradual process. And in the same way that if you're trying to learn to code, you don't start off by doing crazy difficult things. You start off by learning what an array is. You've learned how to push something into the array and you gradually and gradually scale up to building an entire program for your SaaS company where I'm not, you know, an expert on coding. So I probably butchered sure. that, but you get, you get, you can't like quality is something that you have to build up with and learn. And so if you just want to start, you probably should just write info content because you can learn the structure, learn how H2s work, learn how feature snippets work, learn how to do FAQ scheme or whatever else. And then like get into the psychology side, get into the understanding the user more side. Um, so uh, I think I've gone off on a tangent. Or are we, where are we? <laughs> no, no, that's good. It's not so. It's not just you. Do, I don't think that you should just come in and just write like the best quality thing online. I think you should build up naturally. And I think um, this is a. I think probably a bad thing to do in an interview. But I'm going to answer the question that I just asked to. But piggybacking off of what you said. So I think sometimes when people just start off, they're like, I I'm writing the best content there is, but they don't know what they don't know. So they think it's the exactly. best content and then they need to iterate on it, which is what you said. And they need to go research a little bit more, look at competitors a little harder, maybe go outside of the niche and topic area and get ideas from other places. Like maybe there's uh, certain images or graphics used in a completely different industry that no one's using in yours. So you could actually come in with a new idea where you're combining something cool from somewhere else to the thing that you're doing. And that iterative approach is really important because you know maybe there's new ideas popping out. Now, to that point, how often do you go back and improve content? How often do you touch it? after it's been published? Sure, so I rewrote and republished two pieces of content today that are already number one, just to improve them, to build the moat. Um, 
it's if I if you come away from this podcast and learn one thing, you can always make more money optimizing than writing. And or you can only get to the level where you can make a lot of money by optimizing. If you want to do anything with any kind of competition, in my opinion, the reason that we can make the money we make from these very high competitive things with traffic and whatever is because the original was written three years ago and it's been updated every six months since then. I think there are not just freshness signals that Google detects, but I do think that there is a non-zero benefit to just seeing that something is being constantly iterated upon. Um, and so it's whether that's true or not, we do outperform sites that, like, you know, we're competing with sites that are DR85, DR87, DR90, and we're not, you know, anywhere like that. And I, being the only site on that front page, I do think that you have to just keep updating and you do need to have a, an old URL and you have to do everything twice as good to get there. And so you don't do that first time. And also things, you know, decay and deteriorate over time in terms of relevance, in terms of like what's current, the products go out of stock and optimizing isn't just a positive thing to do in terms of raw rankings. It's also key for CRO. And if you want money in your pocket, then you've got to just keep optimizing that for conversions. Do you have custom images or um, graphics of some kind and anything special with images? Not really with images, but we've built a bunch of custom reusable blocks on WordPress that um, help to sort of like uh, be like a top picks thing with the you know the three best or the one best or the two best, depending on if it's a best um, buyer's guide versus uh, or a single product review. We have like custom blocks for feature snippets for um, pros and cons, but I think you can download like free plugins for these. I just don't like having plugins, so I like it to be just clean. Okay. Um, we don't really do much with images, though. I'll admit, I wish we did more. It's just not my strength. Got it. And I have heard from a couple other people I've interviewed, you know, they, they take custom images of products. Sometimes, you know, they, they figure out what to do. Um, otherwise, that's Georgie barking. It's like whenever I try to record, the mailman comes or something. I'm, I'm not sure what she's barking at. Um but yeah, they, they talk about custom images. Sometimes, you know, maybe it's something more technical where an image is actually needed to explain um, whatever is in the text. Um, but of course, not every niche lends itself to that. So, okay. You talked about improving content and images. Anything else content-wise that maybe people are missing that we haven't covered yet? Um. There's a very varying degree to which people online proclaim how important the actual content is. And to an extent, you can dress up content with nice blocks and, you know, distractions and bulleted lists that deliver things in a better way and stuff. And so I disagree. I think that, like, even if you don't need to, even if you're ranking well, I often go back through posts that haven't been checked in six months just to see if we can shave a few words off a sentence, write that thing in active voice. Um, you know, write it in a more concise way, turn a sentence or like a paragraph into a bulleted list, um, change the intro so it's more of a, like a, like a, I think they call them bucket brigades or they're like, but, you know, like whatever, whatever. Um, um, just, I think that the, the copy is important, but at the same time, um, don't just write 10,000 words of copy. Um, try and not use words where possible, but, where possible, make them crawl, crawlable. We have a competitor now that creates these custom CSS um, like blocks that like auto generate based on what you write in the shape of a notepad, and it's crawlable infographic text basically, and it's genius. I want to know how to do it. Um, so 
try and do like make text not text where possible, but keep it crawlable. Interesting. I, I have not heard of that. That sounds pretty cool. You have to show me uh, <laughs> offline. I'm curious what that even looks like. So, all right, I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm going to stick with sort of the content area. You talked about onboarding about five writers or so. What's the team look like? How much writing did you do yourself? Talk about just how the team has grown over time as your revenue has gone up. The team undulates, like, like seriously, like waving around. Like uh, in December, I was like, oh, we want to start spending X thousand pounds a month on content. And so we hired a bunch of people and I didn't have my systems in place. I need to talk to you about this because you're the, the, the PM. Is it PMP? Yep, that's right. Um, the pimp that knows the stuff with the project management. And so I need to talk to you about that because I don't like, I, I think I know my stuff in SEO, but I don't know how to make it. So there's a system in place to scale that. And so my, my blocking uh, thing is, is my lack of systems and organization. The onboarding we did, is different to the onboarding we do now. Now we have an onboarding, it's called Scribe. It's a fairly new product, I think, that like you can create like Loom-style things and embed them in one place with Google Docs for the certain uh, and slideshows for the technical stuff of SEO. We have a writing for the internet slideshow within that as well that covers, you know, active voice, using precise words to create more like evocative visual imagery um, to keep people on time on, on, the, on the page for longer and stuff like that. Uh, we didn't have any of that or wasn't good before. And we also didn't have a good screening process to see if some, like I do just like face-to-face interviews, which are actually like probably worse than useless. Because if you're turning someone away, because you're like, oh, I didn't feel like they were good interviews. Like, I don't fucking talk to them for a living. They write yeah. for a living. <laughs> right. So I've got it all wrong and I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, you nailed it. I know when I first... When I first started hiring people, I did like a couple interviews and I was like, this is a train wreck. And I, in my my old corporate job, I actually did, I interviewed probably over a hundred people and like screened, uh, you know, probably 500 resumes and stuff. So I was like, oh, I need to interview people. But yeah, it turns out you have deliverables, like just have them do their deliverable. You don't really need to talk to them unless you're going to be working with them in a different way, maybe a executive assistant, maybe you do have one-on-one calls each week or whatever. But yeah, if someone's writing for you, if someone's like improving content or doing graphics, you probably can just like test that specific um, skill set and then see how they do a couple trial gigs. But um, anyway, what, how many um, people are on your team right now? So we currently have one other full-time employee other than me who works just like as a content manager on one of the sites. We used to have a second person. Uh, she's gone from being full-time with us to being freelancer. She still does like three days a week with us helping with like briefing, content, editing, feedback and stuff like that. Uh, but she also does some like cool other freelance projects now helping like bloggers learn to like monetize their stuff better, which is really cool. Uh, and then the rest of them are freelance writers. Um, if we add on these five, we've got like 10 or 11 now. And just the this week we had a virtual assistant start so that's been a big like thing that like i've been hesitant to let go of because the most replicable element of this if you break it down into pieces is the formatting if you can systemize it in place but and so therefore like the the assumption therefore is you can create like 20 percent of your time back if you're not doing any of the formatting anymore uh, and free you know people from doing that if it can be done right it's like our, our formatting process is more complex because of the various blocks that we have and stuff and so it's like learning it new thing but 
we've I finally stopped micromanaging and allowed when uh, we've, we've onboarded a VA. So that's the rest of the team now. Cool. And how big do you think it'll get? Do you have any vision? I want to hire more full-time people. I'm big into hiring full-time people just for the culture benefits that like, uh, you know, you can really teach people a lot better. If, I don't blame a freelancer for not being head over heels for learning all of my slideshows and all the minutiae of that when they just want to write. Like, I, I wish that they were just like, you know, everyone was super dedicated, but I've also got to think on their side and they just want to get paid for their writing often. You know, I think they care a lot about what they produce, but when you're paid by the word, there's like limitations in place. Like, you know, what does that represent when you pay someone by word psychologically? So I get that. And so I'm just a big fan personally of going for more like full-time people. I would rather have a full-time person work as the face, which is, you know, the EAT stuff. Uh, we don't use any of the, this person doesn't exist, uh, you know, the AI generated people that you see. But um, if you have real people and you can show them they've got a digital footprint, that's obviously useful. Um, so I'd rather have that. There's various benefits with that. I'd really want to get onto just YouTube and crushing it on all these sorts of things. Like I think YouTube, like it's always, I don't want to say like it's going to be simple. Like it's already like, I'm already late, but uh, I would rather have like a, a content manager to really flesh that out. And I think that having like a YouTube review showing real life product reviews, because, uh, you know, we, we rank underneath DR90 sites that clearly don't know what they're talking about with regards to the niche. Uh, and I think that YouTube might be the barrier that finally produces. Like, we'll have like seven products that we've really tested in there, but it still doesn't matter. But hopefully YouTube and then the, the video stuff and sort of funneling the people between the video and the content side is the next level. So uh, my goals are to, you know, make all of these multi-million pound brands, really. And to do that, you've got to have experts who are the best in their respective areas to do that. This is a um, complete left turn, but you're doing, you know, you have a big vision, like you said, build multi-million dollar brands. Are you like uncertain in certain areas where you're like, I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out along the way. Do you have any like insecurity about like growing these big businesses? Um, and you know, not, not because of your age, but because you haven't done it before. Like, you know, there's people that are, you know, whatever, 55 and they never did that. They don't know how to do it because they were never in a position. So any areas of insecurity is you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I want to do this cool big shit, but I'm, I don't know. Like I, I uh, imposter syndrome is definitely a thing, and I only like literally activated a Twitter account to talk about SEO yesterday, and so I was like, well, I guess finally now I feel comfortable enough to know something. And since reading like an hour of people talking on Twitter about SEO, I've never felt more confident that I know stuff about SEO because no one online knows anything about SEO and is telling the world about SEO. That's a separate argument completely. Um, so uh, as for building um, a brand online. Uh, or building a bigger brand and the, the elements of that. I don't feel like scared because like if it all goes wrong, like I'll just get a job as a developer, I'll get a job as an SEO. It's like, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. Right. Um, I'm more worried for the rest of the team and what like, I mean, oh, they'll, they'll, they're all talented. They'll do fine as well. But like, uh, I'll be gutted if in 10 years I was like, oh, I can't have a million quid in my back pocket. I just didn't sell up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with recessions or whatever, it's not guaranteed in this, in this world, but uh, I was, well, I, I can't stop. I want to see what the next part is. Uh, it's, it's an adventure, really. You've got to go for it. And I, I'd regret it more if I was 90 and I thought, could I just yeah. put it all on red again? <laughs> yeah. Let's rewind a little bit. So you're about, 
um, you know, think four years in roughly uh, across your journey here, your big site that's earning two thirds of the revenue, it's about three years old. Can you talk about the timeline and growth trajectory, especially like the sandbox period? When did you realize that it was working? Was there a big jump at some point where you were like, oh, fuck, this is like even bigger than I thought it was going to be? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so it's like I've been like actually focusing on it for three years, um, but the domain existed before I'd written a couple posts and stuff. So like uh, if you wanted to go on the domain, like registration is probably like four years in or like okay. yeah, around that. So uh, I don't want to make it sound like this is all happening in three years and usually like doesn't, it, it is an older domain, but I just didn't really like do anything on it or like sure. try um, or didn't de- devote my time to it. Uh, so it was... Um, put Google ads. Uh, so actually I was on wordpress.com before .org because I thought that's just what you did. Yeah. And um, it got, it was like in like, uh, it had like 5,000 page views and I was like, oh, and I could put ads on it. Realized that you couldn't do that. And then I was like, oh, I need to go onto wordpress.org. So I paid like 500 quid in like fees to uh, what they called automatic to, to not be allowed to put ads on the site. So I changed over. Uh, and in December of 2000. 19 it made like 300 quid and i was like i think i'm a money-making guru and that's when it had like uh, 80 or so posts i still didn't know what i was doing and then sud and i wrote in um on reddit you can download this thing that's like uh, you write down what your goals for the next year are what are you leaving behind in the previous year you know the sort of mindful uh things that you can write down and i was like just just get rid of the site so you can focus on what is the uh, social enterprise project that has the initials if um, try and get like, you know, grow it and sell it for like 10 grand. I didn't know what the multiples were like or anything back then. Um, and so I was like, just get rid of it. Come January, it doubles in revenue from 300 to 600. Come February, it doubles again. And then in March, when the pandemic started, like the year the pandemic started, it made three and a half thousand pounds. And so I was like, I've never seen that kind of money in my life. That's like 42 grand a year if you amortize that over 12 months. Um, that was also the month, the month, the first month I made like job replacement, it, like or much more than job replacement income for me, he's never made any money. Uh, the Amazon rates went. And so I'd had the taste of the good life and it was taken from me. Uh, and so we had to figure out how to do it again. But that was so it was like, it made its first non like irrelevant amount of money, like end of December, 2019. And then it's been like a, you know, a, a growth from that. Okay. And it was basically four months and it 10 X from 300 to 3,500. Um, yeah, it was like doubling every month. Okay. That's, that's pretty awesome. Okay. So I want to transition as we're winding it down to link building. So we haven't talked about it thus far. It does sound like you spent a lot of time and effort on writing high quality review articles, about um, specific products, even though a lot of people are shying away from it. So what's your view on link building? Can you talk about your approach? I think that our sites are currently at a level where like, it feels like the content is maxed out. As in, like, I think that the content can't go any higher because of the fixed limits in place DR wise. And so I do understand and I like, I fully understand the merits and the value of it. I've just never gone out and gone like, I need to do X thousand like link building outreach campaigns or like anything like that. What we recently did do though, and uh, I was on a call with Adam from the niche website builders like uh, 
four or five months ago and he gave me really good advice on this because I was in the process of buying a now defunct business in our niche that used to sell like real life, like e-commerce stuff. And it had a high DR because it was just known for making great products. And so we bought, and it had like 40,000 page views a month because of just the content they've written in a sort of content marketing play. So we bought that. And uh, thank you to Adam for advising that we put up like a, a page that's like, we have acquired the company and the link to all of the, uh, the posts and things. And um, so we gained, we went from 39 DR to like 54 DR from that acquisition. And the acquisition was like 22,000 pounds. So we basically bought our way into like mid-level DR without doing any link building. And so uh, I understand, I, and we just bought like, a, we've, we've got one age domain with the niche website. There was a moment we bought of Odis. And so I understand now that the pull of starting with some DR, I'll admit before I was like, uh, not against links, but I was like, oh, just, just, just write the content. Don't look for the yeah. shortcuts, but I do understand the merits. And it's, it's fair because if you do have a long-term history on the internet, like the chances of you being legitimate are like a restaurant that's been around 200 years is more likely to be around for 200 more years. So I understand the age, the reputational effects. And uh, I also understand the merits of buying a real business because um, if you buy one, you deserve to kind of have the reputational advantage over someone who doesn't, who starts from scratch because that business exists as a sort of pseudo person and has reputation and whatever. So DR fun like serves a function, so therefore link building serves a function. But I don't have any super expert insights to give you just because I'm not good at it. And the only recent project we've done is buying other sites to sort of cheat our way through. Got it. Which, you know, if you if you put an ROI on it for like the number of links and the history and all that stuff, 22,000 is probably like a pretty good bargain because if you were going to recreate that, it would take you a very long time and probably be more like $70,000, not 22 is my guess. Um, one thing you did mention is you, you had a DR of 39 before the acquisition. Is that right? So I think it was 39 okay. or 40. I think so, it was 39. Though. So how'd you get up to that point? Cause I, I do bump into people uh, actually very often where they don't do much link building or they don't do any link building and their DR is like four and they have like <laughs> six links and it's, it's like they're having issues, right? They, they're not even getting any traffic. And I'm like, well, you got to do something. So how did you break through the first handful of links and start ranking? Well, so preface, we have a DR7 that's only a DR7 because it's got a bunch of links from our DR55, 56, whatever it's at main site. And it would be like DR2 otherwise. And it outranks DR90s for like, and gets like 6,000 plus traffic on super competitive affiliate content. So there's, there's levels where like, you, it doesn't mean you can't do anything. That being said, um, the, the links that we've, that made us get to like DR40, like we've just been lucky in that we've written content that the New York Times has linked to, NASDAQ's linked to and stuff like that. So we've been like universities link out to and stuff. So we've been fortunate in just like, we haven't really like outreached, but people have linked to stuff over time. But it's, it's like a lot of that came in like the second half of the site's existence. It was like DR15 for I think a long, long, long time. Um, okay. Yeah. So just natural links. And I mean, this is something that happens where basically you don't have any links because you're not ranking number one. So over time you rank number one when people are looking for a reference, then they link to it. So is that basically what's happening? We've had a surprising amount of links to bias guys as well that rank and like for referencing stuff. So there's probably a, 
uh, sort of nepotism. You already rank number one, so we link to you stuff. Does that you know yeah. helpful? Um, I honestly, I, I wish I paid more attention to give you like to, to the links to be able to give you a better answer. I'm just sure. not that like on the links. Um, okay. But we've been, we've been, I guess we've just been super lucky. Okay. And well, it's a great headline too because I can write it as um, you know thirty two thousand per month with no link building in three <laughs> years. You know, you, you're writing it for me. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay. And you mentioned Otis, which um, we'll go ahead and throw in their sponsorship here. We could do sort of a live, um, a live back and forth. So they do sponsor these shows. Can you talk about um, how you? pick that specific domain that you got from Otis. And I think it's for a different site, right? You picked it up for a new project. Yeah. I bought it like three months ago and I haven't done anything with it since it was like 3000 pounds or something. And, uh, I need to do something cause it's a DR 32 in a okay. niche that I know and can, I know I'm going to crush it. I just need to get myself together and do it. Okay. Um, yeah, I recommend Otis if I, if you want to join in on the plug. Um, so I yeah. spoke to the co-founder Alex on a super good salesman. Next thing I know I'm buying the domain. And um, it's uh, got some history. It's got links from like, you know, niche wikis in those sorts of areas that link to it. It used to be, uh, I can't tell you what it used to be, but it used to be something important. It's expired. And now it's mine. Awesome. And what, what's your vision for it? What are you going to do with this domain? Um, I'm hiring writers at the moment to write on that one. I hope the fact that it's been dormant since I've bought it doesn't count against it. Uh, because it does have like a bunch of really good links and it does have like, uh, like the DR that could, like these, the, this niche, you don't need a lot of DR to like do damage in as well. So we might come in and just be like the biggest. That's cool. And so typically, you know, you're going to have certain URLs on that domain that had most of the links. So are you going to recreate those specific URLs that had the links going to it? Uh, do you have a different approach than that? So this one, it was a, it wasn't a content site. So it had two pages, the homepage and like, Another I don't page. know what the other page was. Okay. okay. And so every, it's just all homepage links. Hmm. So what are you going to do? Is it that just going to be, you know, new homepage and then it's niche relevant. So you don't have to worry about it too much. I guess so. Honestly, I wish I knew more to know what my strategy was. Like I'm just going to put content on and hopefully it makes me loads of money. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done that before specifically, but yeah, I would say, yeah, I guess you could just treat the homepage like normally and then have, you know, as much stuff linked off the homepage as possible. So um, it's a very like shallow link depth. So it's like one or two clicks away max and just go from there. But you could always adjust, you know, once you make the decision, if it doesn't work how you think, you can do a little mini test and see how it works out. I don't know cool it'll be interesting and is it going to be another affiliate type site you know continue with your high quality um sort of lower article count approach most likely yeah okay yeah that's my current plan unless something comes up after but now that i don't know about the changes but for the moment that's my thought process Let's swing back. There's one thing you mentioned before the May algorithm update hit one of your sites. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm not mad about it because it kind of deserved it. Like, it's just like people are mad at like, oh, my site hit. And it's like, yeah, but it's shit content. Like, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, 
I'm a fan of standards raising. Like that's good. I'm fine with like you having to work for money. Like I don't like the idea of like doing the least and trying to get the most. I'd rather just like do the most and whatever comes comes and that's such an actual earned reward. Like I see so many people replying to tweets of like their earnings. I'm like how many articles have you got? I don't like that. Um, so the one that got hit, uh, it was the site. Ninety five percent of the revenue came from one article that was just crazy converting. It did really well. It, the site's like dr three, but it was com- out competing these like big. Like newspapers and stuff and so that got hit it was doing like 1200 page views per week and it's down to like 400 now because it's it's not been like de-indexed but it was at number one it had the feature snippet and now it's at like four or something um so that one page makes it easier to i guess rescue the rest of the um articles seem fairly stable but they i believe deserve their position like in-house me and uh uh, uh joe who works on that site uh we're sort of not sure why it was ranking so high anyway. And so we were sort of like, I don't want to touch it because every time we improve it, it goes down. So I'm just going to leave it like and hope. <laughs> so it's been hit now. We've got less to lose. And so we'll fix that one. But we did get hit on that one. And uh, we lost like a what, $1,000 to $1,500 from that. Got it. It's funny. It's like that was the site that people always talk about where they're like, it's kind of shitty content, but it's outranking my site. And we don't know why. And you didn't know either. <laughs> It's funny. You always hear about it, but then you you don't run into the people that are like, yeah, it shouldn't be ranking. So, okay. Any any other algorithm updates that impacted your sites over the last couple of years or have you just stayed away from those? Um, so our second site, in, I registered the domain in like October, November, 2020. In November, 2021, it did like six and a half thousand dollars. Or like, I think I'd only like started writing content like content like December, January. So in like 10 or 11 months, it already done like, a, like for me, like life changing money. But come December the 1st, harvest instantly. Uh, so it got hit by the product review update. Strangely enough, it had real products. And strangely, even more enough, we didn't add any new products. And then in March, in the next product review update, shoots right back up again. So I have no answers. I have no explanation. These um, algorithms aren't perfect. And sometimes you get hit and it affects your livelihood. And this is one of those things. But we got hit on our second site, which is now back to where it was in November. But obviously, with how high conversion rates are in like the Black Friday, December crazy buying spree it'll probably be higher all things considered in november but so yeah it's been um hit on that site not really on the main site um but in the may update we got hit on two of smaller sites um like us like you know doing maybe a thousand pages a month anyway and so they went down to like 300 but it looks like it's been rolled back because every time i look at the graphs on ahrefs and analytics they go up right down and in yeah. complete synchrony, they go back like halfway to where they were. So it seems like it's been rolled back. I don't know what the SEOs are saying, but it looks like they rolled back a lot of the changes. Someone else mentioned that to me. I think Adam, if I remember right, Adam or Mark from Niche Website Builders mentioned they had a site that seemed to have been recovered. Or maybe it was Alex. I, I can't remember. I talked to all three of those guys each week. So one, one of them from the Niche Lifestyle show. Okay. So as we're wrapping up, how has this site or your portfolio impacted your life? I know that what you're meant to say is, you know, I'm going on holiday with the family now and, you know, we're putting it into the house and whatever. I don't have kids in a family. I don't have a house. I only pay myself 800 pounds a month because it's beneficial for taxes. The rest gets cycled back in. I've never seen 10 grand in my life, let alone a million dollars or whatever the portfolio is worth in like invisible monopoly money. Um, 
I don't go crazy with it, to be honest. Uh, it would be nice if we sell up. Uh, you know, I might buy myself a nice watch or something, but it hasn't really changed my day-to-day too much, if I'm honest. And I know that, you know, I'd get more Twitter followers if I went, no, I've got the Ferrari and the Lambo, look at this, and, you know, went on TikTok and showed it off, but it just hasn't really changed. I, I enjoy going to war, and SEO is one of, like, the best places to go to war because there's not that much noise. If you do something good, your ranking goes up, and it's like, you know, there's you get qualitative and quantitative instant results. And so I like the competition. I'd do this if I didn't earn well, I get to earn now. Um, and I love it. I'm obsessed. I love the numbers. I love the stats. And so it hasn't changed my life, but I do enjoy what I do. Um, but yeah, hopefully it changes my life when I sell up in a few years or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, that's a great answer. I think, I mean, you're doing what you'd like. So that's, that's big because you could have a corporate job where you were doing like whatever, some sort of a economic analyst or some kind of thing that sucks and you'd have to listen to a boss. So you are, you know, maybe your boss is an asshole, but you're your own boss, right? <laughs> this is a joke. Yeah, I, I do like, I do like the freedom. <laughs> Yeah, oh, right. You meant, yeah, sorry. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to see what you said. Yeah, my boss is a real asshole. So, anyway, as we're wrapping it up, do you have any additional tips or advice for people that want to replicate your success with your sites? Focus on what the people want. Give the people what they want. And if you think you might have a better chance of giving what the, pe- the people want for something that can earn you vastly more than writing 10 more like dead end articles, Go back to your existing stuff and give the people what they want. Like, just focus on, like, how can I add value? What does this person want? What would they might want? What other opportunities can I offer them? And if you give people what they want, they will reward you in affiliate commissions, in, you know, the search intent or whatever. It's a, like, slightly different thing, but you'll get the rankings. And um, going back over stuff is more profitable than writing new stuff once you've got that body of work. And also... Stop trying to get everything for the least value. I don't want to sound like some sort of like, you know, like internet marketer, but you do have to like, you, don't, you can't just go out. If your mindset is I'm trying to get the most and do the least. Uh, and it sort of lends itself to the sort of like, I'm doing an AI content site that can write 10 articles in five minutes. I don't think you're going to join me in this level. I don't think so. I don't think you're going to get there. But if you focus on really giving the people what they want, I think you will. There was an interview I did not too long ago with Jake Thomas, and he said a lot of this similar things to what you're saying, where, you know, it's high quality content. He writes it himself. He spent a lot of time on each article, you know, maybe a week or more or however long it takes to be better than the others. Maybe he's taking custom images for that specific article to put it all together. And of course, that's going to beat an AI written piece of content where like, maybe they don't even know what the topic is. So it makes total sense. And I think that's a great piece of advice. Jamie, this has been fantastic. And hopefully we can catch up um, in a couple months again and hear what's going on. But where could people follow along with you? Sure. So we published the income reports and hopefully some other useful stuff on increasing.com. Spent way, way, way too much on the domain. It was like 15 grand. We could just put like niche site something, but we decided to go with the the cool name. Uh, So increasing.com, we put the income reports and uh, other stuff on. And my personal Twitter that I 
all start to use, I promise, is Jamie, J-A-M-I-E underscore I-F. Cool. We'll link up all of that stuff in the show notes. And I think it's a cool domain. I was like, how, how did he get that? But yeah, you paid a lot for it. So it's increasing.com. <laughs> Pretty cool do- domain. I was like, how was that available? And of course, you had to you had to go uh, scope it out. And uh, I had, a to, lot of money I had to pay. Yeah. But you know, like the, the thought process is, all right, it could just be a SEO, whatever. But then if you grow it, it's just a SEO one and then if you grow that it's a make money online one and then you can like it is scale the name scales with the options it leaves the options open it could be just general business too like it it's basically whatever you want it to be so all right so we'll link up for all that stuff thanks a lot jamie and i'll talk to you soon i appreciate it doug have a nice rest of the day